Welcome back to part two of the Jokerman Springtime in New York extravaganza with special guest Stephen Hayden. We've got a lot to get to on this one, so without any further ado... A few other songs that I think are really great on, uh, on, on this first chunk of uh, Springtime in New York. Um, I really enjoy... Uh, mystery train as like blandly <laughs> just straight down the middle blues rock it is i i shot find it really blues, fun baby it's a shot of blues thank god for the blues um i really enjoy it uh it it's like a, a a listening experience where i had like a a pair of drumsticks just nearby and i and i was so glad because i was just like drumming along on my bed just banging out on your thighs um mm-hmm. i i really like uh we mentioned That's Sweet real Caroline. Quick, just before we go too far, I've got the whole like kind of like liner notes breakdown there. That's Jim Keltner and Ringo on dual drum sets. Oh, That's well, awesome. Of, co- of course, and I was like drumming along. That's what the magic sauce of Two that gods. song is. I mean, I liked it too, just because um, I again I like the idea of just Bob throwing out a song that obviously meant a lot to him, and they kind of they don't do it like in a straightforward way. It's sort of like a slowed down version of it yeah which, like three quarters sort of thing and i don't know like whenever you get that hangout vibe of like you're just hanging out in the studio with bob um what more what more can i like that that's my, why my... i like that's why i like the dad rock pleasures of the basement hundred <laughs> percent i mean dad rock i think you we had a misunderstanding last time i don't think <laughs> that is a you know it's not a negative term to me not a pejorative it's, and I want to stress that by saying another song. My honestly, my like sandwich of three favorite songs, probably on this first chunk, is a couple more years than Mystery Train. Then this night won't last forever. I really mm-hmm. enjoy the that that trifecta here. A couple more years, probably uh, best known to anyone who knows it at all, to uh, as the the good moment from the terrible movie. Um, Hearts of Fire. Yep. <laughs> and uh, it's the sweet, charming, genuinely uh, good uh, performance where at the end of that movie, uh, Dylan plays an acoustic rendition of this song to, um, what's her name? Uh, she. Uh, Heart, Hearts on Fire. Is her uh, name. To uh, Mrs. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Little Miss Thing. Yeah. Uh, you, ever, you ever seen that one, Stephen? Hearts on Fire? Not the entire film, but you know, I gotta give a shout out to the like the, the egg scene. Oh yeah, you want some eggs? You want some eggs? <laughs> a lot of eggs that, in there. I feel like you want some eggs is my big takeaway, and also the um, was like a BBC documentary on YouTube, like where it was shot around the making of that. Fiona, Bob, that's her name, Fiona. Fiona, of course. Like where Bob is in like the trailer and like. It looks like oh, that, like he, the, the he most, looks like the devil. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he looks, looks like yeah. He looks like <laughs> the devil himself, and and that uh, British... he's been up for like two, like twelve days, and he's got you know like <laughs> and he's drawing that like really fucked up sketch of the BBC yeah. reporters uh, interviewing yeah, him. Yeah, it's a terrible interview. Like, I love that, but that's like one of my favorite Bob Dylan's of all time. Like Iconic. in that trailer, oh, yeah, and that and is. then like they show him later, and like he's talking to the kids, the kids, the, yeah. the dirtbag kids about like rat. That's the, the one where the kid goes, uh, can I get your autograph? And he goes, 
maybe <laughs> like to a child uh, it's like dude, like like bob is like i think i think he died that year he looks like a little zombie like right, yeah, yeah his soul was dead <laughs> during that period uh, um, but, he's been reanimated but he, he just looks amazing i just love bob this I night won't bob. last forever i just want to also point out i really like is this a cover i don't it know is a cover yeah it. this was one of my favorites also uh bill LeBounty was the original composer oh. made most famous okay. by michael johnson uh yeah. it's just this like absolute <laughs> when, replacement when, level when something dentist is office well let's just say like bill LeBounty is like a big like yacht rock like like like, like if you're into like yacht rock like like deep cuts like Bill LeBounty is like that's a great yacht rock yeah. deep cut name that yeah and Bill I, LeBounty, I just, yeah so I love that Bob was covering him in the eighties like he was <laughs> just going deep into that when uh, when the song is made famous by Michael Johnson <laughs> I it's you know I'm not surprised that I haven't heard of it but Mike uh, Johnson credit to Mike Johnson Bill LeBounty you made a great song with I wish uh, or the night uh, what's it called. Uh, this, this night, night won't, won't last, last forever. forever. Yeah, Bill LeBounty's catchily crafted slice of soft rock self-pity is better known in Michael Johnson's version. This is from the liner notes. Michael Johnson's version, a smooth adult contemporary hit in 1979. Kicking it loose in a one-off performance, Dylan wails into it with an attitude that begins to make it sound like, well, Bob Dylan. I just like like Bill LeBounty, like wherever he is right now, if he's like in a trailer park in Las Vegas. And he got his Bob Dylan box set, and he sees <laughs> Dylan covered this song of his. Or in a watery, Good for Bill Bounty. watery yacht rock grave. Yeah, Honestly, exactly. if you can go to your grave uh, knowing that Bob covered one of your songs, even if only in Rundown Studios as a rehearsal in 1980, like you know, that's you won. Exactly, you won. good even enough. Even if you're exactly. a, a skeleton next to a treasure chest and you're wearing a big white padded blazer, <laughs> I mean, like. How much has like ninety nine percent of the songwriters in the world done? They've done nothing. If Bill Levante, he got that. Yeah, he got Bob singing a song. Cheers to shout B- out Bill Levante, man. BLB uh, to Bill Levante. Cheers, La Bounty, La Bounty. I think La, it's La Bounty. La, La Bounty. Yeah, I'll say La or La. <laughs> All right, we got it. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's maybe he's already like a Joker man listener too, and he's it's like possible. Just, He's doubly Bill, thrilled. Come on. Come on the show. Bill LeBounty, go on, Jokerman. All right. Uh, well, all right, well yeah, we've got to move on. Why don't yeah, you let's do set another, the rehearsals a, aside. A ceremonial uh, if we record like, are we all, Are we like two hours in already? We're One. an hour in, and we're, we're okay. through the first, the four parts. But I think we'll get, we'll pick up some momentum here, so we're not going <laughs> to, we're not going to keep you all nice. Even. Uh, all right. On to part two. Ooh. There we go. Thank you. I'm working on that. Well, tangled up in blue there. I like yeah, it. Yeah, something like that. Uh, radio. You know what? This. Uh, you. It's. It's. Uh, that's too perfect of a segue. Radio blast in the news. You wanted to. We got to do a five minute re reevaluation, reappreciation of real live. Oh. Oh, are we going to the real live combo? No, I'm let's, not ready for that, man. We got. We're gonna do that later. We got. Let's. Let's just. We got so much ahead of us. Let's just get it out of the way. Because real hive, you might not be aware, uh, Stephen, but that is infamously the only other zero star that has ever been awarded on this podcast, other than the Dylan really? three record, it was which we me. both gave it zero. You gave real Evan, live a zero. E- I didn't. gave it. A I one. gave it one. Evan gave it zero. I gave it. Zero. That's hilarious because. <laughs> Because, like, usually, so, like, when I'm grilling in my backyard, occasionally I'll be listening it's, to Dylan. It's such good grilling music. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be grilling in my backyard, 
and, and I'll be listening to Dylan and I'll be like, you know what? I'm going to DM the Jokerman account. <laughs> and uh, I was listening to Real Live and I've been listening to Real Live like a lot lately. Um, okay. By the way, like a zero and a one star, that's uh, insane to me because it's too low. It's a mistake. It's too low. Okay, I mean, number mistake, one, yeah. you have the rewrite of Tangled Up in Blue, which is like a great rewrite. Fantastic. It's decent. It's the plane train planes, trains, and automobiles rewrite. It's the the John Houston style. I think it's great. Or John uh, what's really great. Name? You're thinking John Candy, not John you have, Houston. You have the <laughs> no, I mean like the all the solo, all the solo acoustic songs I think on that record are great. Yeah. Um you have Mick Taylor playing on that record, playing his ass off. I mean, he maybe really we'll get to this later because, like, he's really good. And like, you know, maybe we'll get to this like when we get to the to the fourth disc of this box set, <laughs> like four hours from now. Right. But like, um, I and I on uh, real life, on real great, life. real life, great, great guitar solo from Mick Taylor on there. Mm-hmm. Um, it ain't me, babe. Like the Bob Dylan harmonica guitar solo on there, great. That's great. I, I really uh, want to make it. A- that's that's the one that I I realized. Oh, I've made a terrible mistake. Was because I I, I meant uh, John Hughes by the way, not John Houston. Uh, the uh, <laughs> very different film director. Yeah, John, yeah, John Hughes starring <laughs> as Noah Cross in Chinatown. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, the uh, the mistake that I realized was that um, that version of Innate Me, Babe, is actually the version that like made me realize how great of a song it is. And I think it's one of the all-time great uh, officially released versions of the song. It's that the way that he does that. And he um, gave it a one star. I'll, I d- no, I give it, it zero. Evan gave, gave it zero. zero stars. He gave zero stars to the, the like. I know the uh, definitive version of uh, "It Ain't Me, Babe." Here on Joker Man, we're not afraid to admit when we're wrong. You know, there's worse things in the world. I was just saying. Sorry. What I'm going to say is that real live is the hard rain of the '80s. Well, we didn't really like hard rain when it. (laughs) Hard rain is great. You you like hard rain now though, don't you? Are we still not like it? You're not on board with hard rain yet. Well, listen, I can't if, say if, that. If don't put words in my mouth. For me, if there's three live records in the '70s before the flood, hard rain, Budokan, hard rain is three of those three. I, I can't, you know. Hard, okay, I, but I like love those are all flood. great, though. They are all great, but yeah. they're all great. Well, the, the version of uh, what's the one that is a uh, shelter from the down. storm? Yeah, I that mean. that shelter from the storm. That's that's untouchable. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna. Yeah, well, I mean, it's so funny. I mean, like, because like doing a Budokan. Now we're really talking about revisionist history. Like, well, that's, I love our, that's, that one. that's our that's legacy. Then you know, I know, I'll but be, like I'll that. But you're talking that. That's a revisionist take. I would say. I mean, really, that like before the flood, which I love, is like the least interesting out of those three. You're, yeah, right. I mean, the case has been made for that. Yeah, and I think Hard Rain is such a great live record. Um, and I mean, I think, I mean, how do you really, feel about like, the hard rain material compared to like uh, the Rolling Thunder bootleg series, like bootleg five of the, like, well, the first leg of Rolling Thunder? I mean, I really like how dark, how, like, I, I always look at like hard rain as like the dark sequel to that, like bad vibes. Yeah. Version I, of that. And I dig the, the, the brown I, acid. Version yeah, exactly. I like the brown acid aspect of it. And I like, <laughs> and I like how he's playing all those, uh blood on the track songs at that time and right and, and, and i think he's really ringing the pathos Can you imagine like, a lot like of actually like taking a couple tabs and then seeing him perform idiot wind live and just being like, <laughs> well, oh, idiot God, wind and like i'm thinking you know, about my like horrific breakup i went on this ragtag journey across america to forget about 
oh no <laughs> or like you know like just like how much pathos is and like i threw it all away on yeah. that record and, yeah he's, uh, he's not making it fun he's just yeah like, it, it, it's yeah it's not the like let's put on a show communal aspect of there's, like the, there's a reason why the, the rolling the rolling thunder right. movie isn't about like the turban uh bad vibes turban era. exactly yeah. <laughs> and i i like the bad vibes aspect of Heart brain. And, and and I, and sure. I think it's very cathartic listening to that and the you know the shelter from the storm from that record i think is great i mean before the flood i really like as a record but like if you listen to like the earlier bootlegs of that dylan and the band tour from like right. january it's like way better than what's on yeah, before the well, flood right we just so, did a, a whole period a whole episode or two episodes on uh like the 74 you know on uh planet, planet waves, waves. Like Dylan yeah. and the band in the that same sort of era yeah with jake great era with jake shout out to jake um but i'm just saying to to circle back to my original point i think that real live is the hard rain of the 80s and that i mm. think it captures for sure um kind of like a chaotic period in bob's life uh in a way that maybe wasn't appreciated at the time, but I, I, I but I think is like good now. I, I think I see your point now, and as as I'm willing to admit I was wrong in the first place, and I think I'm a little bit doubly wrong now because this release, this bootleg series, um, as we've mentioned, really recontextualizes this whole period in a way that makes uh, makes one sort of think about well, there was a lot more going on. There's a lot bubbling under the surface I didn't know about, and these records have a lot of depth to them even though th that might have been like kind of for whatever reason cut out and real live is actually a, a an amb weirdly ambitious like to try to create a um a live album compilation of like what it, what was going on during that period because i mean it's such a chaotic he, period to try to catalog and that he rewrote Tangled Up in Blue, like arguably, well, I don't think it's arguably to me, but like I think it is like one of his best songs. Yeah, and he like, extensively rewrote it. Yeah, in a way that it. I don't know if it's like better, but like I I love that he did that. Right, and um, and I think it speaks to how much uh, creative energy he had in the Infidels period. You know, like we were saying before. I mean, I think that this is like possibly like the last great songwriting burst. Well, you said that career. earlier, yeah. And it's yeah, like, like there's, a, wrote, there's a case to be made for sure. I mean, yeah, because he wrote great songs obviously after this, but like he didn't write them in bursts. It seems like after this, it was like he would write 10 great songs. Yeah, and, and, and more of a trickle. He did yeah. write uh, Mississippi over a period of like fucking <laughs> 10 years. Seven years, like. yeah. Right. <laughs> But so, yeah. it just seems like around this time, like he just wrote we, like a bunch of great songs. You, you say that now, Stephen, but we could all be proven wrong when the Tempest bootleg series comes out when in twenty forty. Okay. Well, we'll see. I, I would, I would love to. You know, as far as we know, it seems like this yeah. is the last. Like big one of it, like, like one of his. You yeah, seem right, but I, I do hope you're wrong because I want to I, find out. I that hope there's I'm wrong. Like, that there's some song about like Terry Shivo that didn't make it onto uh, <laughs> Tempest. <laughs> well, we're all we're all uh, waiting for the um, 
Under the Red Sky bootleg series, uh, which will hopefully have the um, the thirty what is it like thirty four thirty seven minute version of Handy Dandy that exists out there somewhere. It's is that for real? Happen. That is apparently for real. It's it's in one of these Bob Dylan books that that I have here. That it's it's a four minute song and it just fades in and out. And there's another thirty something minutes of it before and after. I mean, I assume that like at some point they're going to do a never ending tour box set or. Yeah like a first part of one because i mean i'm hoping that there's like a dick's picks equivalent for bob you have to assume that there's going to be right yeah because there's so many great shows out there and so many great like iterations of the never-ending band dating back to when it you know kind of quote-unquote started in like 89 like i'd love to see like a box set never-ending tour box set that was like 88 to like 93 or Hell something yeah. oh, or like yeah. or maybe you see like the ge smith era where uh where shout out to ge smith by the way i oh, feel he's like so he, cool he's he great just seems like super cool and everything he ever says he look you know who he reminds me of is um is bill from kill bill <laughs> he has like <laughs> true uh, he it's, has like a, a total uh vibe of, of being like uh what's his name um it's uh, a yeah. Carradine. Robert, Robert yeah, Carradine. David Carradine. David Carradine. David Carradine. Yeah, he looks yeah. like David he could Carradine. have been a Carradine. That's right. Yeah. Have you? I mean, I assume you guys have seen that YouTube video of him like talking about playing and yes, yeah, I've seen it. I don't know band. if you've seen it, but I, I saw the one. Where I don't know that I have. He, there's this like YouTube video like where he talks about like when he first tried out for the Neverending Tour Band and like they played Pretty Peggyo. Yeah, and like, and, and then Dylan out. was like you know pretty peggio and it was kind of like he like they had tried out a bunch of guys and he was the guy who was like of course i know pretty peggio so he (laughs) got the job it was like bob coming out of the shadows and like a hoodie and like like, they they played pretty peggio for like three hours it was saying like it was like really stiff nothing was working it was kind of just like laborious playing and then he was like you know pretty peggio and they're like yeah we know it and then they played forever and then it was just like yeah. Right, a match made it. in heaven. Yeah. Which disc are we on, by the way, at this point? Right. Uh, so so we... we're, we're supposed to be going into uh, part two of four, uh, just a, a cool hour and 15 minutes into recording. Uh, but yeah, the Shot of Love material, let's 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 get into that, because we, uh, yeah. Evan and I recently did a Shot of Love revisited episode where we atoned for our past sins of disliking Shot of Love initially. Oh, man. Both awarded it three stars. Great record. Yep. Love Shot of Love. And there's uh, some even more inspiring material here on the uh, Shot of Love section of this set. I think my favorite, and I think I, well, I don't want to speak for Evan, but I think one of his favorites also, Price of Love. Not Shot of Love, not Watered Down Love, but Price Price of of Love. The Price of Love is going up. It's going up. The two dollar, three dollar bill. My favorite thing is that he says bill. <laughs> he says like what two dollar, three dollar bill. Uh, we also got a a message on Twitter. I was tweeting a lot about sh- uh, the price of love going up, and somebody said it's his most Jewish song. <laughs> See, I thought you would shout out uh, first slippers. First, first slippers, slippers also a favorite. 
which is one of the all-time great song titles. I mean, I feel like the legendary outtake from this period is Angelina. Yes, which we got uh, another version of on the first bootleg series. Yes. Uh, and this is another version of it. I can't I still can't decide like which one I like better necessarily. I think that this one I think this is the first first take ever recorded. Uh is yeah. what I read in the notes. Uh, I just so- like I I just like Bob's I want to hear Bob's thought process of being like Angelina or Water Down Love. Which should I put on my record? <laughs> which one's going on? <laughs> <laughs> we'll put on water down love yeah well you know it's like a nice pop tune we'll put that on there oh my god yeah uh, he, he really left some insane material off of shot of love between angelina and um caribbean wind alone like just with uh, i don't know what he was doing with the sequencing at this moment in time yeah i feel like i, I gotta do a shout out to uh dylan twitter luminary harry hugh out there i saw him oh yeah talk about this recently about um with these bootleg series whether they should just put on songs that have already been released just for sort of like narrative completion um like contextualizing the material sort of thing exactly even if they've already been released because i think it would be worth releasing some of you know it'd be worth like hearing some of the the songs that were that were released on like the uh the original bootleg series right one, one through three on here uh you know the like angelina on there i i'm trying to think of other examples i mean i think good. i think though if, if there's a strike against this section of the the set in my book at least it's that there isn't um like that that acoustic cut of caribbean wind Exactly. Um, that's floating around out there. There's obviously the amazing version that's on Biograph, which I think is still probably my favorite. Um, but I, like that that other, there's a like kind of shitty version of it on YouTube. I'm sure there's better versions you can download as well. Um, but like that's one of my all time favorite Bob songs, and I just like I want like like as many versions of Caribbean Wind as you can pack into something. You know, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. Now I'm with you. I think like it would be nice to hear some version of Caribbean. This got to be like. 40 versions of yeah, it's, it's weird that course, there weren't yeah. any that popped up on here. That's a definite there. I mean, there were a couple alternate takes on the last on not the last one, but the last one time want like the um, right trouble no trouble more. No more. Right. Um, so maybe that's why they didn't want to put it on here. But like still, that is like just the it's like the quintessential unreleased Bob Dylan song. Yes. From like Child of Love era. I mean, Borrow Time. It was great to hear that. Mm-hmm. Borrowed time is really cool. Is that, that's not a cover, right? Borrowed, borrowed time. No, this is all Fully original. No. This is all original material. I, was, I, I really yes like. Oh, no okay, we too. need to talk about oh, yes or no. Okay, sir. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're talking. We're that's talking one about of the shot highlights. of love here. Yeah, we're yeah. talking about like what shot of love could have been, and what this record presup. What it what it shows you is like uh, shot of love could have been crazy. <laughs> like it could have been crazier. It, uh, yes or no sir is one of the weirdest songs dylan's ever recorded bar none i don't know where the fuck that song came from just like just like the the energy and this and the mood and the vibe behind that is so just out of left well, field do, do you know that kink song there's a kink song called yes sir no sir on, on the, does, the does it also sound no. like gospel metal <laughs> no it doesn't it's a great song though it's like a protest song because like th- this song is um Arthur, great record, but uh, th- this song, uh, 
is is kind of like when you listen to um property of jesus and you're just sort of like this is weird this is like aggressive this is strange music you're what you don't even know what we didn't know until now was that there's a song that is like the like dark black beating heart of of that type of uh the, the, the black lodge that version mode, of property of jesus whatever he was into that made property of jesus like acceptable like beneath the surface there was yes sir no sir a song which is like <laughs> so strange so weirdly aggressive um it's it's really a standout on this. There's nothing else like it in Dylan's catalog. The only song it reminds me of is is a uh, standing on ceremony from Growing Up in Public by Lou Reed, <laughs> which is like a put out around the same time. I mean, it was like yeah, Growing yeah. Up in Public is and the it's 80s. a really weird weird aggressive song uh, where he's like, "Your mother is dying." It's a uh, crazy. Well, yeah, that's and, the that's what rem- it reminds me of. I was scratching my head. And again, I mean, I think it's just like worth remembering these guys were all turning forty around the same time, and that was like a pretty traumatic thing for a rock musician, you know, to confront at this time. Yeah, and they all sort of figured it out in their own way, in very different ways. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and Dylan Dylan's response to growing old seemed in a large part to be to embrace religion and and on this song you do hear that I mean the like it sounds like a militia of angels going like hallelujah hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, oh, and he yeah well, should we go into the should we go into the infidels period now? yeah let's do the infidels because that's right, that's really I mean, kind of the the main the main is there, event is there anything else we're, we're skipping over oh here? i guess we, we it is worth lenny it is bruce. worth noting the alternate cut of lenny bruce lenny bruce is dead which i think is fantastic and actually improves upon the original that's a song that i initially like when we started this show found just absolutely hilarious and batshit insane and i've just listened to it so many times and talked about it and thought about it so much that it's grown near and dear to me i'm like i'm right there with you steven like there is no such thing as a bad bob song or bob record yeah. anymore. it's just different shades of this insane mind uh yeah and- i've always been moved by that song he played that last time i saw him he played yeah he was that playing on it on the on the 19 tour uh, right yeah the 2019 tour and i always well, appreci- we've turned the corner on it as well i've like, always appreciated we- dylan sounding so sort of like mawkishly ad you know admiring of a hero of his right uh, in a way, in a weird way, like it humanizes him to me. Yeah, and and, sure. and the fact that he did that the year that he turned forty, I think, is also like a very sort of telling thing. Like Lenny Bruce had been dead, I think, about fifteen years. Yeah, and I think Lenny, when he's saying that, I think Lenny Bruce died around the age of forty, didn't he? Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Yeah, in a way, I almost feel like forty forty one. It's almost like he's singing about a version of himself in that song. Well, right. If I could psychoanalyze, you know, I heard something pretty crazy. I heard someone say that it's actually kind of about John Lennon. Yeah, I mean that. That I could see that because Lennon died, and that I don't know if the timeline matches up, but um, it is seem Lenny Bruce. The again, I will just connect this back to what I was talking about when we mentioned uh, neighborhood bully. It's like. 
as while I don't agree with like you could infer that it's about Israel and like yeah I have reasons why I don't think that would be like a great song to sing. I do, I think that the idea of it is bigger than that and it's about you know it, he it's about fairness and about like being able to defend yourself stuff like that. This just like Lenny Bruce is not necessarily about Lenny Bruce the comedian. It's in some ways it's about like uh an artist who can change your perspective and give uh, some richness and emotional uh, intelligence to to the world. My take yeah, is that, that it is about Lenny Bruce, the comedian, it, and that sure, it's, it's really about him, but it's, it's really cool that, and you know? sweet and insightful to hear Bob sing so honestly about a you know an actual kind of inspiration and artistic hero of his, which is you not know something what I that mean. Really you know what I mean, career. Ian. It's a, it's like it's about it's about just the experience of of having a. An artist open your your mind and show the world a new way of thinking. Yeah, I mean, I I would go, but I would interpret it in between what you two are saying, and that I think it is literally about Lenny Bruce, but I think it also is. I'm not contesting that, but I also think it's like kind of mourning like a more idealistic, youthful version of yourself. Sure, that like would have would have that would have. Well, he's, he you know, associated with, with that would have like related to someone like Lenny Bruce. Yeah. And, and the way that Dylan to hear Dylan, like you were saying earlier, like, you know, it's it's really charming and, and powerful to hear him talk so candidly and emotionally about another artist. He ends the song with Lenny Bruce was bad. He was the brother that you never had. Right. You know, that's like uh I think that's kind of a great lyric saying Lenny Bruce was bad. He's the brother you never had. It's like he sums it all up there. It doesn't really make sense, but it it does, and it feels well, um, like bad true. in like the good sense, like like, yeah, like, like kind of corny. Like, oh, he was bad. He, was bad. he did the raw, He did the thing you're not supposed to do, and then you loved him. But for bad it. isn't it's, good. That's what I interpreted that. Like he's bad. It's touching when you think about it that way. Yeah, I mean, it, again, I, I I just feel like that humanizes Bob to Yeah, because who else would have written this song about Lenny Bruce at this moment in time, right? It, like, it is, right. it is, it is... And, and then only... saying it, like, 40 years later, like, exactly. on tour. I mean, it obviously still meant something to him. And and uh, that, that, that gap of time in between when it was written and put out, and then it, he brings it back, like, just, it, it, like, it takes on such a richness with the rest of his life, you know, having, having like, played out behind it, and, like... I don't know that it, it it really is a like a, a unique kind of moment uh, or track in his career. I think it, it there aren't a whole lot of other songs that you can point to that this kind of uh, exists alongside. And so I'm you know I think it's it's such a valuable kind of window into this like kind of crevice of his mind that you that we don't really get to see too often. Can I just uh, say, at the risk of derailing this episode, since please. we're talking about Bob and All a right, comedian, it's already completely is that, off the rails. Well, that like you know, like Norm, uh, McDon- Norm. Like Norm Macdonald recently passed away, and Norm was a huge Bob Dylan fan. Yes, and was he though? He was. He was. And he's yes. he's, he's <laughs> talked about that many times. And, okay. and and I've thought a lot about the parallels. I thought a lot about the parallels between Norm and Bob Dylan and like people have talked about like Dylan was a Bob I mean, or Dylan was a Norm fan. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was very yeah. parallel. And like, you know, people have talked about how, you know, Norm Macdonald was this comedian that didn't care like what people thought, like when he would do jokes and that he would just 
do what he thought was funny and 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 that's something people really respect and i think that one of the things that people really love about norm mcdonald is that they would see him and there was a certain kind of freedom that they would experience vicariously watching oh, yeah. norm do his jokes and that's like part of like what was funny about him and i think about that in the context of bob dylan that like i yeah. think there's a certain freedom that people feel when they see bob do whatever he does and there's like a you know like he, they live vicariously through this sure and 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 maybe there's a parallel there with lenny bruce as well that like the reason why we revere these people is that we all feel like we want to do what we want to do we want to say what we want to say but we all feel inhibited in some way yeah him and by uh, circumstance. you know I think you're hitting on something really big here and something that is uh, part of the reason why we've been fortunate enough. I mean, it's not really our doing. It's just that, like, there are a lot of people, a lot of musicians, a lot of creative people uh, who seem to be, like, interested in our show, willing to come on it. And um, it's, I think, coming to that point, it's like Dylan is one of those people, like, and Norm was one of those people, too. It's like they, that... Dylan sort of did this by just continuing to persevere, just doing music no matter what. It's what he did, and he went and still does it. And why, it's why he's partly so inspirational to so many artists. And and Norm is sort of the same way, where it's like people vicarious. Like you could tell that he had that sense of personal freedom in his art. Um, and I, I think that those are two towering examples of that sense of like, personal confidence in yourself as an artist where uh as good as you might be as smart as you might be not every artist has that and it's really a few select few have that that quality where it's like you look at them and you think they seem so free yeah. in what they do yeah there's a great kim gordon quote about how uh people go to concerts because they want to see people believe in themselves that's and, a great quote and wow. i think that's one of the it's great way more succinct than what i just yeah, fucking ran i, I about. always think that's like one of the greatest you know statements ever made about like rock stardom or yeah. any kind of stardom 100 it, 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 it's so profound and it really explains again like why neighborhood bully is a good song because people <laughs> okay. just back door into <laughs> that one because people they, they want to see bob believe in himself enough to deliver a song like neighborhood bully uh, uh and you know okay. support but anyway but well, with, yeah, anyway. with with that maybe let's uh let's let's move along to infidels because boy that is that is uh there's a lot of that here uh and uh, i think we've 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 teased it long enough so oh, oh. joker man standing on the water casting your red while the eyes of the idol with the iron head are glowing Distant ships sailing into the mist You were born with a snake in both of your fists While a hurricane was blowing <laughs> Pretty good song Wow Pretty good song Pretty good Joker song man. Who knew? I just want to say, I when I heard this version, this uh, Infidel's alternate take of Joker Man, I listened to that first like three seconds, like just nine times in a row, because I loved hearing that famous drum fill, and it's so executed, like um, 
it sounds kind of angry or something. Like it's like so purposeful sounding. It's like Dylan was like, "Do it exactly like that, please." Uh, I want you. Hear, I want to hear that. And uh, it, it's just wonderful to hear that after all these one one in a quarter years of doing this show. One in a, all these one and a quarter years of doing this show. I mean, is it fair to say that the album version is better? Yes. I feel like I feel like the yeah. album version is yes. better. I kind of say that like a lot of the alternate takes of the album songs on here. I prefer the album versions. Like I'd I rather agree. hear um, you know, Don't Fall Apart of Me tonight. I think is there's two versions of that. The slow version I think is kind of interminable actually yeah you don't, I, you don't I dig agree. the seven minute version no it's chill but it's I, okay. I am with you on that i like the uh i like the more sprightly uh, the, whatever the version was that was like the video that came out yeah yeah well that's, that's the other record version yeah, no, no no that i mean that's the other take on this the other version. but it's closer yeah, I, I like that a lot to the original like the you know original album cut of that i i feel you steven on on don't fall apart of me tonight not being really its best self in the seven yeah. minute iteration i like it more on the album version i gotta say the blind willie mctell on here which i think is like one of his best songs of the 80s you still have to go to the uh the original uh, one the original like bootleg uh series Three. yeah i really want to hear that other version though ian the one you have yeah I, that I other one bought it I, I think the other one is better than the one that's on this disc they also put out a um third man put out a blind willie mctell like double a side single one no, that's what i'm talking yeah, about Yeah, one side that, of which is that, this version and another side of which is like another alternate take that's not on which this. is really cool yeah i mean um, like because like the one on the bootleg series like the original bootleg series it's just sounds like just bob at a piano i don't think there's any other uh, no it's, it's like a slow burn right yeah, yeah. Like, i, I like other that musicians come in to me that's still the, the definitive version and so i hear something else I'd, I'd love that version i think that's so beautiful yeah that that, that that will choke me up one thing i think actually the most intriguing uh songs i, I think on this see I, I have the cd i don't have the lp i have the cd so I'm yeah, going I, just, I love that uh, you're a CD guy. I love that uh, you're keeping the CD alive. Absolutely. Disc three. Does your car have a CD player? Both of my cars do, yes. Uh, Whoa. You are <laughs> Look at me. Fancy guy. Out Look there. at me. I Two know. cars with uh, CD players in them. I know. Look at me. I'm like, uh, I'm like Bob Dylan in the 80s over here. Um, <laughs> it's amazing to have a CD player. It's the best way to listen to music. CD I love it. Car. I love it. Um, I love, I mean, to me, the... The, the the star of the disc three or whatever your LP is, I don't know where it would land, is the too late acoustic version, too late band version into mm-hmm. the foot of pride. That progression, you know, and I love I've always loved Foot of Pride. Foot of Pride is all is of course on the originally released on the uh, original bootleg series. Yep. But the too late, which is sort of like the pre-foot of pride. I'm debating in my mind whether Too Late is better than Foot of Pride. I'm totally like, with you. Like the Too Late, like the Too Late maybe band I'm, version is like I mean, the, but although the Too Late acoustic I think is great. I want to say that Too Late, the band version especially, like Too Late is is it's crazy to have taken that off of Infidels to not have used it. 
it's so rich and so uh, vibrant with imagery and has some of the be- most kick-ass Dylan lines I've ever heard. Yeah, like, it's so the good. The one with the, one, say one more stupid thing to me before, before the final, the final nails, nails driven, driven in. in. <laughs> That's one of the all-time best Dylan lines I've uh. ever heard. Um, and I have so a you're saying, that- So you think Too Late is better than Foot of Pride? See, like Too Late and Foot of Pride to me, like I think... I, I think there's space enough for both of them. I think I think the foot of pride that we have here on the new set is not as good as the original foot of pride, with just that absolutely like brutal not floor guitar line. I fucking love that. Um, but um, but too I love late, the Lou Reed cover of that the, by the yeah, way too. Uh, I mean, I appreciate the Lou Reed cover made, so much more now. Yeah, it's you know? so good. Um, but. Um, yeah, so there's the Foot of Pride, and then there's also uh, Too Late, and they feel like such distinct songs, even though they are built on such, you know, the same kind of verses yeah. uh, and the same kind of structure. Like, they just, they there's there's space enough for both of them, I, I think, in the world, and you don't need to pick one or the other as being, like, better or worse. It's just, like, they're... they're they're built on the same kind of structure, but they're they're totally different beasts at the end of the day. I feel like I haven't gotten to validation on this yet, though, from anybody that I feel like Joker Man is kind of also uh, related to those two. No, I I mean, can, it's, I, I'll it's, give you validation you hear, on that. I think you, that makes thank sense. Thank you, because you listen to the chorus, you know, on Foot of Pride, it's, oh, the Foot of Pride come down. And on the other one, on... Uh, on too late, it's oh, it's too late to bring him back. Yeah, it's, and on Joker Man, it's oh oh Joker Man. It's like the same structure. It's, kind where of it's been, like this really verbose co- verse, and then it's the blood. That, it's the blood on the track song structure where there isn't a chorus and a verse. It's just it's a verse after verse after verse, and they all return to the same refrain at the end of the verse. That, that's what he did for like nine of the songs on Blood of the Tracks, and that's what he's doing right. on all three of those songs here as well. You know, since I shouted out Lou Reed before, I feel like I also have to mention that someone's got a hold of my heart has like the sweet chain chords oh, on it. Yes. Like it sounds totally right about that. Some people they like to go out dancing. And other people they have to work. Just watch me now. It sounds very sweet, Jane, which maybe is why I I love that iteration of that song, which of course became tight connection to my heart. Yep, uh, yeah. Empire Burlesque, but I I love the more sort of sweet Jane quality. Someone of- someone's got a hold of my heart slash tight connection is the Mississippi of the eighties. <laughs> well, did, yeah, did you guys put tight connection in your like top ten? Number ten, top baby. 10, yeah, that's right. <laughs> One of the all time greats. A, it was a song that wasn't released until it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh. So, did we already talk about Neighborhood Bully? I can't remember. We, yes. Okay. We started so, should we just that. drop that? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so hang on. Do you think so? So, uh, like, I, 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 you know, setting aside the geopolitical whatever, yeah, uh, which is its own thing. Uh, I do think that the song is just not particularly compelling. I think it's interesting to see Bob writing this song at this moment in time. Yeah. Because that is that's half of the whole Infidels thing is these sort of like. You can tell he's mad at the world. He he feels like there's there's bad stuff going on. He has to speak out to it, but he has this kind of incoherent politics throughout this entire record where he's got the pro-Israel song here with Neighborhood Bully. He's got the like um, anti-globalization pro-union song in Union Sundown. He's got these like kind of lines about 
um, you know, greed and Swiss banks and stuff in Foot of Pride and in um, uh, Too Late. And then he's got the song yeah, Defending the Rosenbergs. Yeah, that's an Rosen- epic lyric, by the way. It's such a great line. And then he's got the song Defending the Rosenbergs of Julius Nethel. Like, he's, yeah. it's, it's such a fascinating glimpse into, like, what he was just thinking and feeling at this time because, like, you don't you don't really consider like a a like Rosenberg's defender on the same kind of political wavelength as an Israel defender, and yet here's Bob well, he fusing ca- those he cares together about at this moment. Fairness. That's a, I just that's all he or, cares about. Or it's like, him just, just being a reactionary. Being exactly. That's you know? exactly what it is. It's him just like feeling like there's all these things that he needs to speak out against, and they're not knit together into a co- into a cohesive whole. But it's still fascinating. Yeah, I think Bob is a reactionary. Yes, I got a lot of respects. But you know the thing that. I go back to on this on this box set and just him in this era is just like how melodic a lot of his music is and how he was really coming up with just like really catchy music mm-hmm. and ultimately like that is how I would defend like a song like Neighborhood Bully, <laughs> which I think is like a minor song. I mean, I think if you look at it in the context of this box set, you can easily make a case that again, I think we talked about this earlier, put on Blimey you could replace Union Sundown and I think Neighborhood Bully and maybe even um, Don't Fall right. Apart of being on me tonight. If, if it has to be a 12 song record, take off Neighborhood Bully, Union Sundown, Don't Fall Apart of me tonight and replace it with Blind Lily Mattel, uh, Foot of Pride or maybe Too Late and um, Lord Protect My Child. Yeah, And you have like a masterpiece. Yep, I, I really think the album because Lord protect my child man that song yeah that song's amazing that's a great song that's a great one which again there's another version that we've already heard on the original bootleg series that that like i i i do find it interesting that a lot of this is like is just alternate takes of these songs that we like may already be familiar with or like we the three of us at least would all be familiar with but like presumably a lot of folks maybe aren't as familiar with him if they haven't like dug into the nitty-gritty of the bootleg of the third bootleg series from 1991 you know um but yeah i I think lord protect my child is another one where it's an amazing song but the version that we've become familiar with since the first bootleg series still kind of stands out to me as a stronger kind of ultimate artifact well and i want to ask you guys this because just based on your twitter feed and maybe this will be a bridge to talking about the next disc or lp um, I, I, like i feel like you guys have made sort of skeptical disparaging comics about uh i and i i i think it's yeah, the it's lyric a, it's on the clunkiest, I I. it's, it's, it's the very, clunkiest chorus of uh dylan's entire career. i've come to appreciate it more really i think since this set came out because just of how moody and kind of like badass it sounds i think the guitar work, I, would, I think mick taylor and mark knopfler are absolutely the stars of the show on that but i do right. think the lyric is still just like i not one of bob's all-time greatest Cause, no cause, but it, it's very funny to to listen to that lyric in in the context of the rest of this uh release because you see how verbose and how like insanely uh detailed and long-winded he is in a good way on stuff like uh like too late and then you hear i and i and you're like of course he put a chorus that's like uh when the whatever is he says the um I and when foundations meet, what does he say? I and I, in creation, where was the nature neither? I must not forget. I and I, one said to the other, 
something like that. I mean, that. I think with I and I, which by the way, to do another shout out to Real Live. Real Live, yep. Great version of I and I on that record. <laughs> and and I will say that like on this box set, this is like one example. One of the examples that I would I would actually replace the album version with the version on this record. I really love the version of the box set. Because for the most part, I like the album versions. And, and and that's the funny thing about this box set is that it doesn't necessarily make me feel like Infidels as it currently stands should be, you know, replaced. I, I really love Infidels as it currently is, even though there's songs I might replace. But if I couldn't do that, I'd, I'd still like Infidels uh, as it was released. But like... Um, I think one reason I love this I and I is uh, because it reminds me of a '80s Grateful Dead song. It reminds me of a song that like Weir and John Perry Barlow would have written. <laughs> you know, it kind of has that like well, groove. Give to me it. A, a give me an exact example. Like, what's the song? It feels that like comes to mind. It, it you feels know? like like a Throwing Stones type song, like a okay. song like that. Or you know, I guess I'll just. I'll just say throwing stones as being. What's an that animal. weird one that's like about like being a, an addict that has like, uh, like victim or like... victim or the crime? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not as crazy victim as that, but it it kind of sounds like an '80s dead song to me, and it has lyrics that remind me of like something that John Perry Barlow would have written. So like I think that's part of like why I like it. Um, but uh, I just think it has a good groove, and I, I've always really liked it. And I, and I really like. I think on the version on this box set you really hear like the mark Knopfler yeah yeah guitar licks come through i, I straight really up like the whole song and i except for that chorus i just wish that he had come up with something that wasn't like the like subject of somebody's like grad school term paper it's, it's so even like, still though like i think it's i do i do think it's interesting that like you know i think there's this like the I and I aspect. There's like a reggae influence to this song. A lot of yeah. the liner notes for the for the. I don't know if you've read the liner notes for the whole CD package yet, Stephen. But there's like a the the. I think he talks about Bob like having bought a boat and sailing around the Caribbean a oh, lot yeah. in the early '80s, which is where Caribbean Wind comes from. Right. Which yeah, that, I've read that in other books. Like he yeah, he was really sailing all this time, and obviously he brought Sly and Robbie right in as his rhythm yes. section. Uh, and uh, Joker Man the le- has the legendary that. Sly and Robbie. Absolutely. I also want to talk about "Don't Fall Apart on Me Tonight," where there you can hear it like various points where he, his vocal is even like reggae inflected, like when he goes, "Tomorrow's never what he's supposed to be." <laughs> <laughs> like that sounds like he's like doing a reggae song. You would get canceled. Tomorrow's for that never what he's supposed to be. Uh, a a uh, a direction he would pursue. Uh, uh, quite a bit further and maybe not as successfully works, on uh, uh, on precious memories on the, not the, the version of, of yeah but, uh, <laughs> don't fall apart of me tonight is great i mean that especially that alternate sure, take and, and the video that came out you know which i'd seen before but in you know crappy like transfer and and, and now we get to see it in pristine uh quality Dude's it's rocking it's in the studio wonderful. well and if you watch uh the uh you know the like what was that like uh i'm trying to remember the title of like somewhere under the rainbow that uh that oh, docu- yeah the other side of the other rainbow. side of the rainbow that like that documentary of uh yes. it's like 78 to 89 or whatever where it's like mostly british critics 
talking about yeah. Dylan albums yeah. and they're all very like disparaging of like all these records yeah. and you got and uh, you have the Dark Prince Clinton Halen in there and you also have like Nigel Williamson and some other dude a bunch of other bearded... Nigel Halen Nigel Clinton yeah, right. Nigel Nigel I'm, uh, I'm Steve anyway, we're, we're stealing Dark Prince from you Stephen that, that's, you should that's, that's going on the Twitter feed at this well, point that's, a, that's the thing about Clinton Halen is that um, you know as much as he irritates me on some levels, like I really like him a lot. I, I like his books. Like his his latest biography isn't very good, but like those books, like where uh, he goes song to song, uh, like through every song that he's yeah, ever Evan's done. got one of those. I think one that like spans the original shit right up until yeah. Oh, what's the I, last one in that one, Evan? It's uh, Under the Red this? Sky. Well, that's have, the new one. I have one right here, still on the road, right by me. This sure. is like seventy four to two thousand six, and then <laughs> I it... keep my I keep that thing on me. I've got my Clinton Hill um, books. <laughs> he's really good at researching, and uh, he does a lot of you know great uh, scholarship. But uh, yeah, he's the Dark Prince because he's like he's the or maybe he's the Clown Prince. He's like the Joker of uh, yeah, Dylan exactly. To Bob's, he's the Clown to Bob's Prince. Batman. He is. I mean, this would be the ultimate flattery to him. He is the Bob Dylan of Bob Dylan criticism. I, I think he's the exact right guy to be Bob's biographer, or, or like you know, to be the master Bob biography. Someone who's just like an absolute psycho, but obviously like super on his shit and like sort of combative and mean yeah. and but like you know what he is rude is he in his who, writing. Like he's he's he, perfectly suited for his subject. And he, he's realized before any of. I mean, before most people realized it. I think we can all uh, let let it slip a little bit. We can say that, like, in this day and age, you do your basic homework and you have some decent opinions and you get to be an expert on something because most people don't give a shit about anything, like, to the degree that we happen to about, like, <laughs> rock music or Bob Dylan, respectively. So Clinton Allen is somebody who just goes like, well, I can just be the Bob Dylan guy. Yeah. And he... He went and did it, and so in in a way, we owe him everything. In a weird way, he's like the least annoying British fan of Bob Dylan. Sure, and maybe also the most annoying. But I don't know. Like from like watching those documentaries, there's like way more annoying British critics. He's definitely not sure. as annoying as the guy who replied to us on Twitter recently and said Bob hasn't made a good record since 1978. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, that guy sucks. Psycho. Yeah, yeah. Come on, like what? And I hate that people say that with like such a feeling of authority. That well, British uh, people—that's that's our beef—is just like more often than not, it's British people who seem to be say, like it's like you look and you see their bio and they go like you know Suffolkton or whatever. They're <laughs> from, yeah. I just feel like again, I don't know. I I don't want to sound too much like a fanboy here, but I do feel like Bob Dylan is smarter than me. So I have some humility Absolutely. when I approach this and I'm like, you know, maybe he's like doing things that I don't really get right now and I'll get it later. And Do it, you think he's smarter than you? I don't think he's smarter than us necessarily as much as he's just better. I think he's smarter than me. I think he's probably, I think he knows more than me about music oh, and, definitely. And, and the world. I'm not saying that he... Yeah, I, I believe he's smart. I don't know how you, def- I mean, you know, we can... Maybe we can, wiser is the... Is the wiser, yeah. yeah. Just like is and, just sharper. And no, he's smarter than he's smarter than us. He's better than us, and he knows more than us. I, Evan, I think Evan thinks he can do we can long say division this. better than Bob. 
I mean, no, I can't do that. I can't do I long mean, division better than a fucking mouse. I wouldn't I'm say sure. that about any other artist, but I, I, I feel confident saying that Bob Dylan is smarter than me. And, uh, and no I look forward, to, I look forward to learning no, yeah. from him. Most I'm of, being devil's advocate here for the British. You <laughs> think that they are smarter. You're being the dark prince of Jokerman podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know if we're on. Are we still on disc four? Uh, you know, one thing yeah, I, I mean, would, we still got the, the let's let's do the quick here. rundown. Like, let's see what else can we say about. I mean, I would just say I was excited to see him play. Uh, you know, because a callback to the first disc, he there are some covers sprinkled in this area. I was mm-hmm. really excited to hear him. Do, Angel flying too close. To yes, the ground. I was so just going to say, which is like Great. one of my favorite Willie songs. It's, Did you notice that it seems to be the basis for Lord Protect My Child? At least it seems to have influenced it. That, they really have a similarity. That's true. Although, it, oh, I didn't notice that, but that's that's a really good observation. I I, it, it's one of these things where it, more than any other time in any of these bootlegs, I'm noticing on the infidels uh, section here when it comes to what I've just discussed earlier with... Um, too late and and joker man and etc and and even a situation like this these songs bleed together a lot and i think that is charitably i think that's why we get some great songs not appearing is just because at somehow they bled together for dylan himself and maybe he was like all right well i'll just forget this because at somewhere down the line these songs became too similar maybe in his own ideation of them i i don't know julius and ethel is not very different from neighborhood bully like there's a lot going on here that is kind of uh not just different versions of songs we know but different versions of concepts that would end up on the final record right yeah that's a great observation i think it also speaks to why and i don't want to sell for bob dylan inc here but like that's why you want to delve into these box sets because yeah, exactly if, if you love dylan if there is something to be gained from immersing yourself in just like what his mindset was at this period of time and and to say like oh yeah he was thinking of angel flying too close to the ground he was thinking of green green grass at home yeah these older songs and that fed into whatever it is he was doing in the moment that well, is Dylan one... has that quote where he said, like, I don't write songs. I think of songs I know. And then eventually I keep thinking of uh, different lyrics keep popping in. And then I write and then I record and then it just the becomes song. the song. Yeah, that's yeah, a very yeah. honest. It's so funny that he like hides in plain yeah, sight with that yeah, kind of at stuff. At some point he said that he was just like, yeah, I, yeah. I'll, I think he literally said, like, I'll be thinking about a song like, I don't know, uh, uh tumbling tumbleweeds and then that'll just be playing in my head for a few days and people will be talking to me and i'll just be thinking about that song and i won't really be paying attention to what they say and then at some point my own different words will fill in that melody and i will then have to write the song i just love the idea of that song playing in bob's head like the cow yeah. playing the washboard in homer's mind in uh, yeah in the it's, it's literally bit. it's just like the monkey with the symbols yeah. just like uh, the bird yeah. dipping into the water uh, yes. uh, meanwhile just, like mark Knopfler's just hanging out right yeah exactly in the background and, and like uh, and getting paid like a thousand dollars an hour i'm um, sure more than that it's mark well, Knopfler, baby a thousand dollars an hour in 1983 
Um, on the on the note of just immersing yourself in the material that I just I, I wanted to uh, make note or shout out uh, another friend of the pod Tyler Wilcox wrote up the um, the set for Stereo Gum and um, and also for his uh, his own blog Doom and Gloom from the Tomb and he mentioned like if he has a single critique of this set it's that like there isn't enough to immerse yourself in like there's like he's looking for like the cutting edge version of the jo- of the Infidel sessions where we've got 15 different versions of Joker Man and like honestly I kind of like I'm I'm thrilled kinda, that we have which, what we have but I'm looking forward to that. I love that we've reached the point with 80s Dylan where people are like I want to hear 15 versions of I and I. <laughs> Let me qualify what you, you know? said when you said because... people you mean people who have like uh extremely niche uh, because these like, three people and tyler blogs. well because like I mean, tyler's incredible tyler does great work but well and tyler i agree with like him 100%. astronaut you know he's, he goes deep we all agree with him 100 percent. but i you know I, I just think of the rolling stone headline for the review of this box set where it was like hey maybe 80s dylan is good oh you yeah know? Well, that was like a weird that and, was just a that shows where 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 they think anyway that the public opinion stands and and it's really interesting just to dwell but on do you think it's moment. probably true well, that like a lot of people would probably think that it's not yes you know still it's not we're, absolutely we're not quite at the point where where the public opinion has shifted and swung the other way but that's i mean frankly if we're doing anything influential here uh we are potentially swinging that pendulum a little bit and hopefully that's all we can hope to do. You know, one thing I have to say about that review, like, and I might be misremembering this, but like, I believe the reviewer called the line in sweet heart, like you, where yeah, he misogynistic. Talks, yeah, he, uh, the yeah. line where he says a woman like you should be, be at, at home. home. Yeah, that's home. where you belong. And she's, and the reviewer said that was misogynistic. I don't think that's misogynistic because, like, I always assume I always associate misogyny with like malice. Yeah, like you, yeah. like you hate women, a hatred of and, women, exactly. And, and I feel like Bob in that song, he doesn't hate the woman. He has like an old fashioned view. Of, not only does he not hate the woman, I mean, he loves I mean, the woman. Th- there's there is an argument to be made that misogyny. If we're gonna get into this, I mean, I think it's like so, uh, I, that he's being misogynistic by saying like, "Oh, you ought to like take care of yourself. You know, you 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 got to take care of your family. Like, you shouldn't be here." But like the other aspect of that song is, um, but I think it's like sexist. Know, it's not beside to me. Sexism, yeah, the, sexism. It's means important that, to notice though that that song is about being in a fucking terrible place right. full of murderers. Like, right? It's not a good place to be for anyone. He's just saying like you shouldn't be in this awful den of of vice and misery. Yeah, I mean, he's saying, listen, you he's saying like else. I want to take care of you. I want to put you in sort of like a. Uh, like a paternalistic uh, situation, like where I'm the man and you're the woman at home. And maybe you could say that's sexist, but it's not misogynistic. It's not like hateful. The next line is you ought to be with someone who, who don't know how to do you wrong. Right. Like such a tender, uh, sweet song. And the way you say, yeah, I think Bob's, I don't think he, he doesn't have malice in his heart when he sings it. He's saying it in a tender way, but he's old fashioned. The thing that made me roll my eyes when I read that was just like, okay, like, I guess we got to say this about everything now, even though it's like a song. Well, the song was written 40, the song was written 40 years ago. Well, like, to yeah, me, it, it was just 40 more... years ago, and it's also potentially a character. Like, it's not like Dylan, re- in, in another song in here, in uh, Angelina, he's like, 
blood running through my yellow hair. Yeah, we all know Bob Dylan has yellow hair. Right. It's like these he's I, talking about uh, being anybody in I, these songs. To They're me, it was just more like there's a difference between sexism and misogyny and that and not excusing the sexism of that song, but like sexism to me is different than misogyny, which has more of like a angry or hateful aspect to it. Sexism is bad too. I don't know. Ignorant. Maybe maybe I'm making a distinction where there should no, be a I, distinction. I, I, I hear what you're saying. But, I, I mean, I think it's fair to say that if he were writing this song today in 2021, he, I mean, he probably wouldn't write the song. He, and he certainly wouldn't write it the way that it was written. But it was written 40 years ago, and that's well, he, just kind well, of inherent in this music that's being re-released 40 years after the fact, like it's going to be a document of its time. Like there's no way, know. no two ways around that. I don't know. I think both of you are kind of overreacting because like the song I think is, is of a piece with like a, it's a kind of archetypal uh, type of song where it's like a woman who is like somewhere that like no, no good person should be, you know, no, where the whole point of the song is that he's in like the depths of hell at this like awful bar full of like the worst people alive. And he sees this beautiful woman. And it's about the drama of like, not only should you not be in like this place, like you should, I want to like, I want to take you out of this place, but I also like, I want to, this is the like you know what I mean. He's being he's like, like he's, he's saying like yeah. I think I think we're all saying the same thing. He's being protective of this of person this. that he cares about and he wants to be in a good place. I'm picturing Bob in like a leather vest with like no sleeves, yep. with like maybe like you know leather gloves with a, Lo- with a love and hate on his knuckles. Yeah, the finger, in the like, in the outfit that he was wearing on yeah. the tour with the heartbreakers in '86. Yeah, leather gloves like with the fingers cut out, and he sees like a lady. It's a it's like Michael Jackson's Thriller. Like that kind of <laughs> setting, and Bob's just coming in. He's like the white. He's like the white knight. He, he's not the white in. knight though. That's what, that's what makes the song cool. And, and what I really love about the song is that he's not a white knight. He's actually like he is one of these scoundrels, and she's just so like transcendently beautiful, at least in in his eyes. That he's like kind of shaken from his own drunken and uh, sinful stupor to be like. Like, I don't think of this as Bob singing necessarily. I think of it as a character. Yeah. And then he's kind of like, oh, my God. Like, why am I? Like, first of all, why am I here? I ended up in this awful place. Yeah. Let alone you, you you, you creature who has no business being in, like, <laughs> the depths of hell here. Well, I, and, and I like how you're So that's why it's a powerful song. I like how you're describing this because it, it, it I think, subscribes to a theory that the Dark Prince Clinton Halen has, has forwarded, <laughs> which I happen to agree with, that like Bob never really exited his Christian period, that he just became a little less explicit yeah, about it. And I think that yeah. I think on Infidels there are Christian-y songs that he just isn't talking about Jesus, but like the Sweetheart Like You could be one of those songs that you could you could construe as being a song about um people caught in like kind of like a moral wasteland and caught like, in sin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and like yeah. trying to get living out. in sin. And like Joker yeah. man also being like a masterpiece song about the devil, you know, yeah, Joker man Joker is, man is starts I mean, literally standing on the water. Yeah. Jesus Christ standing on the water. Is Joker Man? So you think is Joker Man Jesus or the devil? I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know if he's either. But like, there I, is absolutely some Christian imagery all throughout Joker Man, even if it isn't as explicitly Christian as something like I, Precious Angel. I feel like Joker, Joker Man, Man is, is the devil. 
when I hear it. But I, I don't know. Do you guys hear? Do you think he's <laughs> I don't Jesus? Know. I, 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 I think, think Joker Man is. Uh, I think he's the Joker it, Man. I don't think the Joker Man is worth uh, deciding who he is. I haven't decided who he is. In I always that look sense, at him as I... like a like a like a like one of the people. You know, to me, he's like one of the horsemen of the apocalypse. I think he has figures. light and dark within him in equal measures. That's why he's. So I think that the Joker Man is. I think maybe the, here's my galaxy brain take: is that the Joker Man might be you and me, right? And that the Joker we Man are is kind the of friends we've made along the we're, way. We're the Joker Man. I mean, if I'm gonna really just like, I want to try something here and try it out. Joker Man is like the guy who can't decide between heaven and hell, between oh. sin and 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 salvation. Yeah, exactly. Light you are and dark. you are stuck in, in the middle. Measure. Sky is a shadowy world. Skies are slippery gray. You know, you're stuck in the middle here. And the whole song is sort of about uh, being the Joker man, being like caught between that uh, uh, in in the balance of those two forces. And the song seems to really be a focus on ideas of damnation and salvation. You know, the small dog licking your face underneath the stars or like the rich man in the furnace or whatever he talks about at the other part. Um, it it seems to be about uh, us being the uh, the one caught in the in the balance. Yeah, exactly. I think. I but, think but, exactly but, right. but like the Joker man is someone that like, I mean the whoever like the perspective of the song is like that Joker or he's man. The Joker man. That maybe. Joker man is like sort of in front of you, and you're like trying to figure out who this person is. Yeah, like, I, you I mean, know, I, like you know what he wants. I was the thing about that song that I think is so intriguing is that it has such a light and airy uh island feel to it and yet there's such a feeling of foreboding to me about yeah, that song yeah. and that maybe that's why i associate it more with like a apocalyptic figure it, it has an apocalyptic air to it as does uh foot of pride as does uh too late you know i made a joke like both saying like uh the the who is he talking about in too late I mean, it's too late to bring him back but the elusive and mysterious Joker Man. That will do it for part two of the three-part Joker Man springtime in New York extravaganza with the great Stephen Hyden. Follow him on Twitter and buy his books. Links in the episode description here. Join us next time for the thrilling conclusion only on... Jokerman. Well, where there was a murder, I don't know I wasn't there. I was busy visiting a friend in jail. There were just two women on the scene at the time. They said it was a natural situation He reached too high and tumbled back to the ground You know what they say about being nice to people on your way up You might meet them again on your way back down But it's too late to bring him back Too late, too late, too late, too late, too late to bring him back 
He had a brother named Paul hang out at the Cafe Royale where Miss Dolly plays and her views have been mixed. Well, he's pretty to look at, looking for someone to throw the book at, but you know that. 